This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. <laughs> We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. Good day, everybody. I am Marco Flalo. As she said, he is Mitchell Whitfield. Welcome to this wonderful edition of Your Tech Report. It's our last edition of the month of September. Mitchell, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great, but should we say, everyone, happy iPhone release day today? Happy, should we say happy, uh, happy, well, happy new release iPhone weekend? weekend. Most, most people uh, got it yesterday, but some are getting it today. Some are, Apparently, 40% of people are getting the rose gold one if they did pre-order those. Um, go and ahead. If you're in, and if you're in New York or Philadelphia, you're not getting yours until today because, as we know, the Pope's visit made FedEx decide to not deliver on certain days, meaning Friday. So you there you go. You just stole my thunder because I was going to say that. I was going to say if you happen to pre-order and you live in that New York, Philly area, the Pope yeah. kind of screwed you. Sorry. You get your pontiff, uh, <laughs> you just don't get your iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Away, right? So you can't take pictures of the pontiff with that great new camera on that phone. <laughs> That's uh, right. Welcome to it. I am Marco Flalo. As I said, he is Mitchell Whitfield on uh, Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. We've got a great show lineup, Mitchell. We've got obviously talking about the iPhone a little bit. I have mine. I have not actually even touched it yet. It's still in the box. This is how busy I am, but we'll talk about, you know, a little bit about that, plus some Samsung devices that you have. We are going to talk to one of the co-founders of a company called Unique. They make a great drone called the Q500, because you have drone envy, Mitchell. We're going to talk to him. And, uh, (laughs) Because of some news this week, I want to flash back to a couple interviews, so it's, 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 it's going to be a fun week. But I wanted to start in Canada, Mitchell, because BlackBerry has been rumored for quite some time to release an Android slider phone with that full BlackBerry keyboard. And they've officially announced it. It's called the BlackBerry Priv Android oh. Slider. It's officially been confirmed by John Chen, the CEO. He said that he wanted to get it out before uh, the end of Q4 of this year and in time for the holidays. This is a full-fledged Android operating system phone with BlackBerry software embedded as well for privacy purposes and that full-fledged BlackBerry keyboard. There's no other details. We don't know anything else about this, um, but they're calling it a flagship slider device. Now, uh, do we really need to know anything more than they're bringing back a slider phone? Now, let me tell you something. In terms of form factor, slider phones were an excellent option because obviously when they're pull out, when they're pulled out, uh, it exposes both the screen and the keyboard. But then you sort of click them back together and it folds. It makes it more pocket friendly. This is a design that kind of went the way of the dodo several years ago when, you know, excuse me, when candy bar phones became out of style, smartphones became all the rage. But it's kind of a cool idea and kind of a cool thing to see BlackBerry with Android software again, the company reinventing itself and bringing back old school Mixing it with new school, kind of what we said they had to do, right? It is kind of neat. And, of course, you know, focusing on the software, the PRIV obviously stands for both privacy and privilege, something that John Chen penned in a blog entry. He also, you know, wanted to get the message across to BlackBerry owners. The company is going to continue to support the BlackBerry 10 operating system moving forward. There's going to be updates while they continue to develop new devices and new software to work with existing software, such as the Android operating system, which is kind of neat, I think. So do not put that last pile of dirt that you have now shoveled, that you had set aside to bury BlackBerry. They're still here. They're not going anywhere. And they are evolving with the time. Something we said a long time ago, we wanted to see this great Canadian company do so. Bravo and congratulations on the priv to them. Mitchell, since we last spoke, Watch OS 2, Apple finally released it. There's no longer a bug or issue with battery life. You are now going to mm-hmm. get all those great, cool features, such as those moving wallpapers. You can use photos as wallpapers. Um, and native apps, which is really, really cool because it really does speed up the experience of using things um, that are catered to that Watch OS on the device. And not only have we seen the release of Watch OS 2, but apps are now coming out that support the native apps on the watch as well. So if you have that device, you want to do that upgrade. Although it took a very long time to upgrade my watch, over an hour. 
It really did. And of course, uh, you need to have your phone within range of the watch. It does the update in conjunction with your device, with your mobile device. So don't think it's going to go directly to your actual watch. Dude. It actually uses the uh, uses the uh, Apple Watch software on your phone. Uh, something I just wanted to touch on with this, Mark. You know, I actually did see uh, they must have optimized the way that the watch and the phone communicate because I'm actually getting better battery life on my phone, which is always an issue when you have another device pulling Bluetooth off of it, right? You're always going to go through the battery faster. I'm getting better phone life with new watch OS 2, and that was a huge thing. That in timeline where you turn the uh, the digital crown and it goes through your entire day with weather yes. and appointments, very cool. But yeah, yeah, it's actually helped my phone too. Um, I think one of the reasons that it does help your phone is that apps, because they're running natively, aren't sucking that much data from your phone. That's and right. And this actually, I, I, it was really cool because I was doing the iOS OS 9.0.1 update, which also came out this week for, uh, obviously, your iPhone. You want to get that. Trust me, it fixes some things that were annoying. <laughs> I was doing that update shortly after I'd done the update on the watch. So what was happening is my phone sitting there rebooting, but I was still getting text messages on my watch. <laughs> so obviously, it didn't need my phone to be connected to it to still get that. So this is one of those advantages. You don't necessarily need your phone near your watch all the time to get the features that exist. Speaking of watches, Mitchell. Yes. Pebble, which we thought, you know, where they released Pebble Time, this new color smartwatch. They, they, they're back. They have come out with a round smartwatch called Pebble Time Round. And it's sexy as heck. It really is. And you see a lot of companies now, you know, Android, uh, Android watches being all the rage, of course, now going to the round form factor with both the LG, the new Samsung uh, that's coming out. But, you know, Pebble, for people that don't know, I believe it was originally in a, a Kickstarter campaign, correct? The first one was, was a Kickstarter campaign. The second yeah. one was a Kickstarter campaign. This one is not. It's a pre-order available right now for $250, expecting for early November ship date. And really, it's it it really is uh, platform agnostic, correct? It doesn't matter if you're using Android or Apple, uh, you you know or, you know iOS. It'll it'll connect with both. And as you said, the the last the last the last update before this brought color, new functionality, uh, a nicer display as opposed to the e-ink display the original watch had. Now we're actually getting the round form factor mixed in with the color, mixed in with multi-platform functionality. It really is a more competitive product now, and it's I'd like to see where it ends up fitting in in this you know in this landscape filled with, you know, Apple Watch and Android devices. Well, because they're focusing on their own operating system, too, and they are, as you said, platform agnostic, they, you know, they work with everything. Um, so they're focusing on, obviously, how to set themselves apart. Different materials, different metals. There are two versions of the watch, a 14 millimeter band. Um, there's metal band options as well. Um, there's rose gold colors, stainless colors, black colors, um, anything you can expect. And of course, you get that famous two-day battery life with the always-on e-ink display, which is really, really different and sets it apart. And, of course, the lower price point doesn't hurt as well because the higher end, you know, people, people complain about <clears throat> the price of the Apple Watch, but what they don't realize is the higher end Android, you know, you know, gear watches and the different, you know, Android watches, they're creeping up in price as well as they become more premium-driven products. So it's nice that Pebble is still in the 250 price range where you're going to be spending a little bit more for Android and a lot more for Apple Watch. Microsoft, you know, this company continues to amaze me because they're not only working on their own software, but they keep releasing stuff for iOS. They really released an app. Um, it's called Invite. It is designed to allow you to collaborate with workers or uh, people, you know, friends to find a, a meeting time that works for all of you. So basically you start by saying, this is my availability, and then okay. you send it to the various people you want to get together with. Let's say it's a meeting and you have five people. Everybody gets that invite. They say, okay, well, these are my availabilities. And then the organizer will then get back saying, okay, these are the common availabilities. Go ahead and schedule a meeting. <laughs> it's a standalone app for iOS and Android, but it's really cool because what they're trying to do at Microsoft is they're trying to, regardless of their own operating system, they are trying to turn your iPhone or your Android phone into a work course of a device regardless of the platform you're on and they're making really big moves to, to make this happen no it's really it's really smart we talk about companies reinventing themselves all the time and this isn't really showing a reinvention of microsoft but just a new focus on making sure that regardless of what mobile platform because let's face it right now the mobile market is driving the computer market uh the the, the writing's been on the wall for quite some time and microsoft wants to be known as a software company that accommodates all different platforms and by the way 
why is no? Why did we not think of something like what a clever thing? Because one of the few, one of the few downsides to trying to get every, you know people together, sending a, a calendar invite, however you choose to do it, has always been how do you involve everyone and how do you coordinate all the different times and availabilities? A really, really smart idea. And yes, the fact that it's platform open as well, brilliant. So, other Microsoft news this week is if you're not interested in signing up for Office 365, and there's there's a vocal amount of people out there that don't want to pay the subscription model for software. They have released standalone editions of Office 2016 for Mac and, of course, the PC upcoming if you want that without a subscription um, for $150 if you want a home or student edition, or you can get the home and business edition for $230. The difference is, obviously, you own the software, so you can have it and there's no restrictions. You don't get a fully unlocked versions of the mobile versions of the software, so don't expect to be able to use your iPad to edit documents and save things like you would on the subscription version. And you don't get that terabyte of space that you normally get with the Office 365. What you do get is 15 gigabytes of OneDrive cloud storage if you do make this purchase. But obviously, you know, it's my opinion that the subscription model is is a much more powerful model because of the updates and the the constant flow of information from Microsoft and the access to everything that goes around. But there are people that just want to buy it and own it and have that hard copy like games. I totally get that, but for the people that don't really know how it works, you're paying $100 per year, and you never have to worry about getting the latest version when you do the subscription model. You have $100 per year, and Mark, the one thing we're not talking about, when you're talking about the $150 for the, the home and student version, how many applications of that is that? Just one? One one application of it? Or you can use it on multiple machines? Um, you know what? Normally they give Probably you, just a couple, you normally know? It's, normally it's like one, but they let you do one, one, two, or three kind of without saying anything. The second you go over a couple devices, they tend to argue. With Office right. 365, you've got five devices. No, That's sorry, where not I was even going five devices. You've got five devices, plus you can invite five friends who can then install it on five devices, plus yeah. access to the mobile app. So you're looking at like, you know, 25 installations of the software. That, that that was my that was my point is that with the, at least with the subscription model, which usually you know people are a little bit hesitant to do, I get it. But if you look at the numbers and you have multiple people in your family, a large family, all of whom need to get their own copy of Office, this I mean the subscription model still is a brilliant idea and actually a much better value. Okay, so Mitchell, um, this is a cool piece of news because earlier in the year. Uh, we talked about smart locks, and we you know that I have a little fetish for home automation and stuff like that. Yeah, well, it's your drone thing. It's your drone. Yes. Okay, so Schlag, the company that makes, have been making locks for, for many, many years, have officially announced that their Schlag Sense smart locks are going to be HomeKit enabled. This is why we've been waiting for these devices, because they are HomeKit enabled. They are now available for pre-order for $229 US if you want to do that on Amazon, Home Depot, obviously your favorite uh, your favorite locations that you want to get like hardware and stuff like that. You're available for pre-order. They are going to be releasing these devices in the beginning of November. Now, the reason that this is even cooler is because we had the opportunity a while back to talk to the lead on the project. Christopher Deschamps works for our friends at Schlag, and he gave us all the inside scoop about the Schlag locks and why they work and why they are so good and why they've done things that they've done. So let's take a listen to that now. Now, you know what, Chris? You are a pretty accomplished man. You've worked with a lot of really large companies, Ingersoll Rand, Rubbermaid, incredible corporations, and you were even recently on the cover of Consumer Reports. So my question to you, because you are obviously the expert in this field, what makes you so passionate about the products that you're producing now at Schlag? Well, I, I love working on products uh, and product categories where it impacts somebody's daily life. Um, and if you think about the, the humble doorknob, and it's something nobody thinks about, that you, you touch and you handle the doorknob every, every day, and it's your window into the home. Um, and that, I think that's pretty powerful. See, now, Christopher, I, I, I truly believe that Mark is trying desperately to get me to go into home automation. And I and I, and as we talked about sort of before we went on the air, I sort of look at it from the point of view of the consumer that has not gotten their feet wet yet. But it seems now, with the ease of installation, ease of use, the fact that you guys use Bluetooth smart technology, could you explain, just just if you were as if you were talking to the regular consumer, the difference between using Bluetooth smart technology versus necessarily Wi-Fi in the home? How does the Bluetooth smart technology make it easier for the average person to get involved in home automation through your lock system? Well, I, I think you hit on it um, in terms of the consumer experience and just making it easy. Um, we, we know consumers are a little bit intimidated in this category, and if we can just tell them, you know, relax, it's easy, 
um, and critically, it just works with your phone. That's the message you want to get. We want to get across, and that's actually the reason why Bluetooth Smart is so uh, so great for us in terms of the technology. Um, all the leading smartphones right now have Bluetooth Smart um, baked in. Um, so us to have a, a door lock that speaks directly to the phone that's pretty powerful. Um, not saying that Bluetooth Smart is better um, or worse than Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is a great technology as well. It's just not great for door locks um, just due to the power consumption. So we can get a, a lot of battery life out of Bluetooth Smart, whereas if we put that on a door lock, um, if we put Wi-Fi on a door lock, you'd probably only get a couple of months, with, which wouldn't be a great experience. But for us, Bluetooth Smart is, is the way to go. Can, can you can you kind of describe what Bluetooth Smart technology is for people who don't really understand it? Um, I, I Obviously, I've used different locks where, you know, using the existing Bluetooth in my phone, as I approach the door, it knows and authenticates me that way. It works somewhat like that, correct? Absolutely. So um, Bluetooth Smart is just the, the, the latest version of the, the Bluetooth Classic that everybody knows and loves that works with your earphones. Um, Bluetooth Smart is designed... Um, to be a low power protocol, so it doesn't use a lot of battery life, um, which is which is nice for a, a product like ours that uses batteries. Um, and it's also designed to be short range, um, so I believe it goes up to 100 yards or so. Um, so if you're within 100 yards, you can connect up with Bluetooth Smart um, on your phone to your device, and it, it's pretty seamless. How much time do you spend developing technology like this? Obviously, it takes time to get to market. At what point do you, you know, what point do you start the product cycle? Is it years? Is it months? Having, uh, having been at this for a few years, um, door locks in particular, um, it, it takes longer than you think. So we're talking years. Um, and if you think about it, it's a, it's a pretty complex problem to solve. So we've got a product that lives on the, at the same time on both the inside and the outside of a home. So we're exposed to all of the elements, precipitation, et cetera. So um, it, it's a multi-year pro- uh, process for us. Hey, Christopher, a quick question. When we talk about installation, because this, to me, is another barrier that we have with people that are entering the, the smart lock, the smart automated home, how hard is installation to get this product up and going at your home? So, yeah, so part of being easy to us is the installation and setup has to be super simple, and you, you, you should almost be able to do it without looking at instructions, right? So um, we strive for one tool installation, so your standard screwdriver, um, and basically – Two screws, five minutes, and you've got it on the door, and, and then you're ready to get it uh, synced up to the app and Bluetooth. How, how do you determine the best you know, focus for new features You know, when you're obviously at the table saying, okay, what do we want to put in this lock? There's obviously, I guess, too much at some point because you want to make sure that consumers don't seem deterred by it. But uh, how, do, how do you really narrow down that list and, and, and focus in? Yeah, so this goes back um, to our product development process, and I, I told you it was a multi-year process, which really starts... Um, talking to consumers, right? So we go out and we'll do kind of qualitative research, which simply means going out and talking to consumers and focus groups, um, picking their brain. What are the jobs that they're trying to perform? What what do they want to get done in their home? Um, And and, and it pertains to kind of security access control. Um, From there, we create some concepts. um, And then we go out and we talk to them again, more kind of uh, on a quantitative basis, right? So we'll talk to maybe a thousand plus homeowners, uh, internet surveys, but really you want to build up that, that knowledge and confidence that you've identified the key features that are really important to them. And at that point, um, and only at that point, do you start designing the product to, to, to meet those needs. One of the things I noticed um, among the various different locks that I've used is that Schlag is, seems to be the only one that is the most interoperable with other services. For example, ADT's Pulse only uses Schlag deadbolts. Is that is that something that's important to you guys? It is. Um, it's it's extremely important to us. So um, Schlag on our own, we're not going to go out and do a home automation system or a home security system. That's not us. We're passionate about door locks and making the best door locks um, and controlling those door locks. Um, so what we like to do when, when somebody wants to have a home automation, home security system, um, we want them to be able to have a great Schlage experience and be able to choose Schlage, um for that system. So it's very important to us to work with the, an ADT system or an alarm.com system or a Honeywell system, um, for an example. Um, so we're, we're pretty much agnostic. We'll work with anybody as long as they help us to deliver that experience to the consumer. Very cool. Uh, before I let you go, Chris, I want to ask you one, one last question. Where, you know, having all this experience in this industry, where do you see the future of, of the smart home in general? And, and when do you think we'll be there? Well, I think um, in a lot of ways we're, we're getting there right now. Um, if you look at the success of some of the uh, smart devices out there, um, like the Chamberlain MyQ garage system or the Philips Hue lighting system, 
there are these single point solutions that people are, it's really resonating with them and it's very simple and they can just grab it and just go into that category. So I think we're starting to see the adoption there. Um, I think what's really powerful long term um, is when you can go and let's say you're in the market for a new home um, and that home you can buy and it already comes with a, an operating system, if you will, um, and it's, it's your own personal operating system to where um, your phone, your, your tablets, et cetera, um, you can sync them up with your home, and then the control is seamless. So I, I think really the future where we're heading towards is that homes are going to become smart devices, if you will. Um, they'll be embedded with all the sensors and controllers, and it'll just become accepted that you buy a home or you buy a, a used home, and it's, it's smart. When, when are the locks going to be available in stores? So our Schlage Sense, um, it's in development right now. Um, it'll be in stores in Q4 this year. So uh, look for the, the product in that October, November time frame. And he was dead on. When we come back, we've got some more news to continue right here on your tech report. And, of course, some more iPhone talking. We'll talk about that. And the unique Q500 Plus, we will speak to one of the uh, creators of that company as well. There's more your tech report after this. Back to your tech report. Welcome back. Mark Aflalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you. I always forget to remind people, Mitchell, you are in Los Angeles, right? I am. I okay. am in Los Still Angeles. Still there. Yes. I haven't moved. I'm haven't in Montreal, moved. Which, is, which is kind of fun because we get to work both sides of the border. Both sides of the border, both sides of the uh, continent, really here. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow us, I encourage you to do so on Twitter. It is at your tech report, facebook.com slash your tech report. We also have a SoundCloud page and all these other pages, yourtechreport.com, where you can get archives and all this fun stuff of the show if you want to take a listen. Like that interview with uh, with Schlag will be on uh, a bit later as well. And uh, lots of fun stuff, Mitchell. We're, we're expanding this show. We're expanding the horizons. That's so what we do. We broaden. We broaden our own minds, and we try to bring that knowledge to you. So we don't really yeah, know. We know October is when we're going to see the new Apple TV, right? Uh, yes. Normally when they say uh, a month, they normally mean the last possible day in that month <laughs> that tends to happen whatever legally qualifies as a month that they can still say but is the farthest day away yeah yes. exactly but some developers have had some hands-on time with the new apple tv because apple did and i didn't even catch on honestly because i would have done this is i uh, you were able to sign up for a lottery to see who can buy an apple tv you don't even buy it you get it for free you had to give like it was a one dollar charge on your credit card just oh, wow. to reserve shipping and and people got hands-on time so the guys that i fixed it have, have Taken everything apart. You we love we that. know, yeah. Well, I love I love watching the unboxing. I love when like a new iPhone, for example, came out yesterday, or depending when you're listening to the show, came out yeah. on Friday. Uh, and because of the time zone difference in New Zealand, they were unboxing this, then taking apart the phones before people were even lined up for stores. Anyhow, the new Apple Television, the fourth generation, it's a bit bigger in terms of the height. It's got the new remote. They've unboxed everything. They've taken it apart. It's it's a pretty cool device. But the coolest part about it is that the the interface has gone. Hands-on, people have been playing around with the interface, and they say that it, it takes a little bit of getting used to um, controlling games and controlling the interface with that touch panel on the remote, but it's a really, really unique way and very responsive way to navigate your Apple TV, as is voice. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to getting that. Absolutely, and to me, like you, yeah, I think you just nailed it. The, the most groundbreaking part of this entire Apple TV announcement slash release is the new Siri remote. And again, we're coming upon features that other, that the competitors such as, you know, what, you know, Amazon's own fire, you know, streaming device. Yeah. Um, th that they've had a microphone built in for a while. Uh, we know that other, you know, other competitors have also had accelerometers built in to their actual remotes. Uh, you know, so I mean, other features are there with the competitors as well, but Apple and their genius is always putting together these features in a way that somehow manages to raise the bar a little bit. They wait for other people to put out their stuff, then they add those features and just make them better somehow. Now, one of the directions that uh, that I think Apple TV is going is the same thing they're doing with with Apple Music, which is this goal of having a subscription service at one fixed price, whether it be $39, $49, and you just get access to everything they have whenever you want, which would be absolutely insane in terms of consuming media. Even if you had to wait a day, like even if it wasn't live content, if you had to wait a day like it does now where you, you can buy a TV show the next day for $1.99, to get access to that content for a fixed monthly fee really is opening a whole new can of worms, which is why we... You know, rumors are always, you know, circulating that it hasn't happened yet because everybody wants a piece of the action and wants to make sure they're properly compensated for it. 
But there is a company that kind of has that model going for them, which is Sling TV. You know, Sling TV has been out for over a year now, and and they're making waves in terms of giving you access to networks like HBO, Epix, um, for a fixed monthly fee. And the reason I bring them up is because one of the downsides of Sling TV is that their interface has been pretty cruddy. It's been hard to find stuff. A little clunky, right? Yeah. But they've released a brand new beta version of what will be coming to their Xbox interface and their Xbox app, which we know will make its way onto other devices, including even the Apple TV, because the Apple TV now supports apps. Well, I like your little internet You see where I'm there. going? Yeah, see yeah I see. Um, so they've announced a whole slew of planned updates to its UI, starting with the Xbox One app, which is going to clean things up, makes things easier to find, which really is bridging that gap between all these different devices. And I'm just looking forward to seeing how they do that and how they accomplish it, because it's just setting the stage for everybody else. Yeah, but you know, it's it's all it comes down to relationships, Mark, which is why Apple was holding off on announcing their new Apple TV for so long. They were hoping probably to have this subscription model in place with content providers, with networks, with the HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, all of those before they announced the hardware. Those deals obviously were not made in time. They wanted to announce the new hardware. And you're seeing that these relationships come into play because there are competitors out there, Mark. For example, I now use my Xbox One as a streaming device. More than my Apple TV. And that would have been sacrilege for me to say maybe six months ago to a year ago. But the fact is, on my Xbox, they have that relationship with Amazon where I can get my Amazon Instant Video on my Xbox, which to this day, unless Apple gives us a new announcement when the new Apple TV comes out, you still cannot do on Apple TV. You cannot do Amazon. And that's the last great provider that cannot be found on Apple TV. So, Streaming devices like your Xbox One, not just for gaming anymore. So Apple really has to make sure they have all their ducks in a row because there are competitors that really are attractive options. Mitchell, sometimes new technology comes out and uh, and people really do embrace it. And, and one of these technologies is 3D printing. There's a company in Italy called WASP. Okay, And the WASP stands for World's Advanced Saving Project. Okay. This is putting technology to its utmost best use. They have built... A 3D printer okay. that is 40 feet tall. What? A 20-foot diameter. What? It only uses 100 watts of power. Okay. And using materials locally sourced like dirt and mud. Okay. Can build low-cost disaster relief housing and any kind of structures or objects that can fit within that 20-foot diameter and that 40-feet height limit. So okay, let's let's stop a second. Stop. Let's yes. let's just stop a second and get our <laughs> craziness. And okay, you're telling me now that the same 3D printers that you know were used originally for you know our, like our friend Ed Freeze and his company Figure Prints to make World of Warcraft figures. Yes, those little like you know five or six inch same technology. Figures, and that 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 engineers use to make parts for machines to see if they actually work in real time. You're saying these same machines now are enormous and can make houses. Yeah, basically, yeah. That's if you want to talk in layman's terms. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay, you're freaking me out, dude. And, and, and they're using it for disaster relief. Obviously, they're saying that based on their estimation, four billion people worldwide will lack adequate housing by 2030. Oh so solutions gosh. like this are built on the premise of being able to create these low cost housing solutions for obviously those people who might need it or for disaster relief. Imagine, you know, hurricanes and various things that put people out of their homes. You can actually 3D print structures and 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 relief areas for people to be able to, you know, hide out and, and wait out storms. And I just imagine they're calling a big Delta. I mean, think about the, about the applications for these same people that need the housing yeah. for these same de- disaster relief scenarios. You can build furniture. You can build the exterior of vehicles oh, yeah. and then add motors and wheels. I mean, this is, this is life-changing stuff. This is life-changing stuff. and it's, uh, That's incredible. I want to see this machine. Is there any place that people can go online and maybe see something like this? Uh, or? Of course. If you go to Engadget and look for a 3D printer, you'll see the world's biggest 3D printer. But I'll, oh tweet, it, I'll tweet it out right now so that you can find it uh, Amazing. as well. Uh, Amazing. So, something happened to me last week, Mitchell, that I wanted to tell you about. It really, it really caught me by surprise because I got this delivery. I got okay. my mailbox, and it was delivery from China. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, I don't remember ordering something. I may have ordered this. I, I ordered a lot of stuff. And, and I opened the package, and I was surprised because it was something that I backed on Kickstarter just about a year ago. Remember the Plan V fail-safe charger? 
Oh yeah, the one you can put a regular battery in and then yeah. it's so it, your, it, yeah. it's this small little rubber keychain thing that unfolds and has either a lightning connector or a uh, or a, a micro, micro USB, USB and it yeah. plugs into a nine volt battery and uh, allows you to power your phone. So when you really are truly out of power, you got something to actually use to save your day. So I dug back in our archives, and I remembered, I was like, didn't we speak to somebody there? And we did. We spoke to, spoke to one of the co-founders, Evan Stewart, back in January. And what I wanted to do here is give you a glimpse of that interview to give you an example of a company that went to Kickstarter, raised the funding, went through a lot of hurdles, if you follow their story, and now have a product on the market. On the line with us is Evan Stewart, who's currently in Sydney, Australia, and he is one of the creators of Plan V. Hey, Evan, how are you? Hi, Mark. Good. How are you? Uh, We're doing wonderful, and I really wanted to share this with our listeners because this is something that is, it's one of those things you you sit around a table and you go, why didn't I think of that? Can you explain to people what Plan V is? So Plan V is a tiny key ring which allows you to charge your smartphone with a 9-volt battery. So basically, it's it's always on you. So in those, oh, no, I have no battery moments, you can stop into a 7-Eleven corner store uh, and pick up a 9-volt battery and make that emergency call that you have to. Okay, now here's... Sort of like your get-out-of-jail card. No, no, it's it's a brilliant idea. But here, here's the thing I was going to ask you, and Mark and I talked about this too. It's such a brilliant idea. At any point during the process when you're sitting around, kicking around the idea, whether by yourself or with a buddy, did you have to just say to yourself, wait a minute, this is so, it's such an obvious, fantastic idea. Somebody has to have done this already. Did you go through that moment where you almost doubted pursuing it because somebody had to have started doing it already? Totally. In fact, it, it actually put us off doing the idea initially because we thought that's got to exist. You know, so after right. some Googling and looking around, we couldn't find anything. And we thought, you know what, let's do this. So you wanted to raise $30,000. And instead of 30000 you got 110. So that's obviously amazing. very cool and amazing. 3,630 yeah. so backers. Um, w- was there any point in time where you, where you sat there and the money wasn't coming in and you were almost worried, what the hell did we do? Yes. In like the first, the first three days, actually, we were just about to give up because we basically had no supporters um, and it just didn't look like we were ever going to make our target. And then something happened around day four or five and it, it just snowballed. So, so now here's the opposite question. When it did start snowballing, was there any freak out moment where you're saying, oh, my God, can we even do this? No, not really. I think we were just Good. we were happy and excited, <laughs> and we were like, "Yes, this is going to happen." Because we've been working on this for so long that 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 moment was, um, yeah, it was a celebration. Hey, Evan, let me ask you this, because, you know, micro USB is a more standardized format. Obviously, it's out there for many manufacturers, but we know how picky Apple can be about their technology, especially proprietary technology like the lightning cable. Uh, Have you had to deal with Apple yet in terms of getting approval for making a peripheral device that uses a lightning connector? Have you had to deal with them? And if so, have they been easy to deal with? Uh, Yes, so far. But part of the MFI program is, is finding a manufacturer and then working with them. So we're going through those steps now, um, and we'll be um, trying to get approval in the next uh, few weeks, actually. So we haven't crossed that hurdle yet. uh, So so how many of these Plan V devices are you going to have to uh, start delivering, you know, once manufacturing begins? uh, We're looking at a few thousand for the micro USB and another few thousand for the Lightning. That is just awesome. Available, obviously, in multi-colors. Um, it, it's so simple in its design when you, look at, when you look at the design right now. I know you're going through different design iterations and things obviously change um, you know, from now to, to manufacturing, but it, it literally is. It looks like a little plastic dongle that hangs on your keychain. It's smaller than a key. And how much time do you get on a phone from a 9-volt battery? So for an iPhone, you get about four hours talk time. So it's roughly about 40% of the battery. That wow! I, I I expected minutes. I didn't expect hours. And that you're saying that it'll actually give me a charge and t- that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, and that's it, right. And it's why nine volt? I guess because nine volt is. I mean, they're everywhere. That's what I was just going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so, a, there's actually a time lapse on our Kickstarter if if uh, someone out there doesn't believe me. Oh really? <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. That is awesome. So the proof is in the pudding. Okay. Now now here, this is really incredible because it, I mean just the concept that. Because everyone is always looking for mobile chargers, right? They're looking yeah. for the rechargeable batteries and solutions. And the idea that you can take a typical 9-volt battery 
Just plug it into this device and have it. It also shows you how much power is actually in a 9-volt battery. Oh, yeah. It can power a stun gun that gives, you know, hundreds of thousands of volts. It can power up your iPhone or Android device. It's incredible. And it's really, again, such a simple idea. So smart. I can't believe that it took this long to happen. But, hey, I'm glad that it did. And if you want to get your hands on one, they're selling now uh, at Flintu.com. They're making a whole new batch. It's $15 for the Android version with micro-USB, $19 for the Lightning version. Mitchell, still more to come. It is your tech report. Mitchell Whitfield, Mark Aflalo again on Twitter. It is at your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report. When we come back, some... Samsung and some iPhone chatter. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Now, back to Your Tech Report. On Twitter, it is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. The pages of Your Tech Report.com, our email address, I always forget this, Mitchell, contact at Your Tech Report.com. Now, Mark, what I'm about to tell you is very important. Uh, I, I think the, you know, the press, the media, we are, we are part of both groups. We tend to get so wrapped up in what is being presented to us now, and of course, this being the weekend of the iPhone, you know, 6S and 6S Plus, that launch, we tend to get very myopic, and the, the press, the media tends to focus on these devices like they are the only ones in town. <clears throat> Let me say this to you right now. Uh, I've been using an iPhone as my daily driver. Uh, I, I also have other devices that I use. We've been very fortunate to have Samsung on board, first with our uh, website, yourtechreport.com. Then, of course, on the radio side, uh, they've been supplying us with review units to test their wonderful devices. Again, we don't get paid to talk about their stuff. It isn't anything like that. But when we're out there today or over the weekend, whenever you are looking for a new device, again, we get caught up in whatever is new and shiny right in front of our face. Well, not everyone is an Apple person. Some people are undecided. Some people, again, are device agnostic, platform agnostic. There are other options out there, folks. And the Samsung, <coughs> I'm getting emotional. The Samsung <laughs> Galaxy S6 Edge Plus and the Note 5 were just released. And even though today or this weekend is focusing on the iPhone, I want to let people know if you are looking for an Android device, yes, these two new devices from Samsung, both the S6 Edge Plus and the Note 5, are absolutely brilliant. Both of them are sporting a 5.7-inch screen. Now, Mark, they're sporting 5.7-inch screens almost in the same exact form factor of the iPhone 6 Plus and 6S Plus that, is, that has a smaller screen. So the iPhone Plus line has a smaller screen size, but the actual physical size of the phone is almost identical. So Samsung is packing a slightly larger screen, actually more pixels per square inch on the Samsung devices, Quad HD Super AMOLED display. They have two different versions, obviously. The Note line, which used to be their premium line and still is, is designed to work with the stylus, of course, and the stylus just keeps getting better every year. But for people that still want a large form factor phone but don't have a need for the stylus, they have the S6 Edge Plus, which has, you've seen a mark with the beautiful curved yeah, edges. Yeah, gorgeous. And those curved, curved edges don't just give you this almost like an infinity pool-esque <laughs> sort of display. It's sort of like an infinity pool. You don't but see it, the But end. it makes you feel like they actually do go to edge to edge with the screen. And both edges will give you notifications. Uh, you can actually activate features and functions by touching the edge of the device. It's a great way of getting notifications. At first, you might think it's sort of like, oh, it's a cool little trick they do. It's just something to talk about, but not. It's actually extremely useful. I find the cameras to be brilliant. Uh, not only the speed of the speed of the camera, the color saturation, the clarity, uh, just incredibly sharp imaging. They also have the front, you know, the five megapixel front camera, sixteen megapixel rear face camera, 1080p video, that the phone quality is excellent. I can go on and on about these devices. If you are an Android person, even on this Apple iPhone release weekend, it is a, they are beautiful, beautiful phones. And I bring this up because, like I said, we tend to focus on what is in front of our face. And I, I just, when I, when I see beautiful devices, like both the new Samsung phones that have come out, and, oh, by the way, did I mention wireless charging? something that Apple has yet to do. Uh, so for a lot of people that are looking for that experience that really want everything in a smartphone, they're not Apple people, you're looking Android, we cannot recommend the S6 Edge Plus and the Note 5 anymore. They are great devices. And if you're an iPhone person, they may be enough to switch you to go the other way. That's all I'm going to say. I've been an iPhone guy for a long time. These devices are definitely swaying me toward the Android direction. That's all I'm going to say. They're pretty brilliant. Listen, Mitchell, we're gonna get all we're gonna get all hands on with the new iPhone, obviously, on next week's show. Um, give us yes. some time, give everybody some time to get their deliveries, especially in that New York, Philadelphia area. One of the things I wanted to mention about the new iPhone, well, actually, more specifically about iOS nine, 
is that there was this one feature when the operating system was updating that it was going to delete apps and then reinstall them for you to save space. That feature actually didn't make the cut for iOS 9. It's not there yet. So if you're wondering why things are taking more space to update, it is that reason. That feature is not actually there. But again, as I promised, I've got my iPhone 6S Plus. Mitchell, you're picking yours up. We will get hands-on. We tell you all about it, all about the camera, all about the innards, etc., etc. Yep. All that on next week's show. But okay. we're going to take a quick break, Mitchell. When we come back, we're going to talk all about a very cool drone, the unique Q500 Plus, which in your opinion is best bang for the buck drone on the market today. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. It is Your Tech Report, Mark Aflalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you at Your Tech Report on Twitter, on Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, and of course, the website Mitchell, YourTechReport.com. Now, am I mistaken, or off-air, when we were talking off-air, did you actually accuse me of having a drone fetish? I did. I just want to make sure that we're... Okay, I, um, I can own that. I, I can wear that badge. I said drone envy. You corrected it to fetish. Well, drone envy implies that, you know, I can't get my hands on the drones, and I envy others who can. And that's not the case. We're very lucky, as a matter of fact. We get, to, we get a lot of drones. We get a lot of hands-on time with drones. And because of that, we have a lot of listeners that are big quad and drone fans, pilots, people that are looking to get into the sport and or hobby. And we get a lot of questions. And always, people are always asking, what's the latest and greatest? What's the best value? Uh, and there's a company out there. The company is called Unique. I love the way they spell it. Y-U-N-E-E-C. Unique. And if you haven't heard of Unique... Uh, this is a name you better get familiar with because if and when people do ask me, Mark, what is currently the best value out there if you're looking to get a consumer slash prosumer drone for taking aerial video and you know pictures, the best value. It's not even close. It's not DJI. It's not over 3DR. The best value right now is from the folks at Unique, and it's the Q500. Plus Typhoon. And who better to talk about the Typhoon with us, the Q500 Plus, than Unique's, the Unique USA COO, Sean Phillips, joining us right now. Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show. So happy to be here and love your show. And uh, I'm so excited to have a chance to tell everyone what is uh, unique about Unique. See, I love it. It has a built-in wordplay. I love that. Now, we have a lot of listeners that may not be familiar with the company. So before we get started, could you tell us a little bit about the company and what you guys wanted to do, what goals you had when you were coming into the drone market? Yeah, sure. Uh, We've been around since 1999, and we've been a manufacturer for others uh, in the space, especially the hobby space, for many years. So we have a lot of experience in building drones, in RC airplanes. We also have actually scaled up, and we produce one of the world's first manned electric aircraft called the E-430. Uh, so we certainly are familiar with the, the aviation space and the drone area. And as of January this year, we launched our Typhoon Q-500+. And our objective is to create a product that is so easy to fly and ready to fly out of the box that we can move to a place where anyone, and by the way, my favorite flying buddy is my six-year-old son, Zeke, so really anyone can (laughs) use the product. Well, you, you, t- awesome. you, you touch on something personal because my son is five and, and I've gotten to play with some of these really, really small drones that actually, in my opinion, are actually harder to fly. So you give me some hope that I can let my son play with this and not crash it and destroy it because they, they seem so fragile in my mind. But, but you've, made it, you've made it quite different, haven't you? Yeah, we have. And, you know, so the idea is to have a very... A stable platform, and if you fly it, you'll realize even in strong gusts of wind, uh, it's stable. It's got a lot of safety features built in, like the home button, so it comes on. Another area we very much focus on is the idea that uh, you don't need to attach some external iPad or Android device to it. Um, The ground control station comes with a built-in 5.5-inch touch screen that allows you to right there get all of your avionics data as well as have a first-person view of what your drone is seeing while it flies. See, Sean, this is one of the first things that really drew me uh, to the company and to the Q500 Plus in particular. And, you know, you talk about the value. First of all, the idea that you have in the, you know, in your remote, you have the ground station built in, you have this beautiful 5.5 inch now on the Plus model, Android-based screen. Like you said, it gives you full telemetry, gives you the full view from the camera that's, you know, that's right there on its motorized gimbal. And 
when I started, before we started, I said, we're talking about just the sheer value of this quad. It's big, it's stable, it flies beautifully, but you guys, it's almost as if you looked at the wish list of every quad pilot out there that has ever flown any quad, and you went point by point and made sure that was included in this package. I mean, you have the screen built in, you have the extra battery, a sunshade, you guys did everything here. Well, thank you. I I, I don't want to say we did everything because there's always room for improvement, but we have introduced something that I think is where the the users want to be. And I think it's always a delicate balance because we want to make it something that even like you talked about, a prosumer can use and feel like it's the right uh, tool for them to do their job. But at the same time, for the weekend warrior that just wants to do some flying, maybe film his family at the beach, uh, it should work perfectly and easily right out of the box. Sean, when, when designing the 500 Plus, how do you prioritize the features that people are asking for? What do you say, you know, this won't make the cut or this will make the cut? What is that tipping point for you guys? Well, generally, the, the key is that we have built up a strong uh, customer support team right here in Southern California. And our customer support team are all people who love to fly themselves. In fact, it's led by uh, a guy named Ryan, who, if you go on YouTube and look at The Ryan, he stars in all of our uh, product introduction videos. Uh, and we let them basically tell us what the consumers want. And then, obviously, uh, we, we go back and figure out whether we can make it at the kind of price points we're looking for. Uh, but, you know, uh, an example of a recent feature that we've just introduced is what we call Watch Me. And that is a feature. It's a firmware upgrade, so anybody who has a Q500 can add it. And that allows you to tell the drone's camera to always be looking at the ground controller. Oh, that's so cool. you can effectively, whether you move around, uh, it'll always focus on you. And in, in, in the not-too-distant future, we'll actually come out with a uh, dongle-like product that effectively is smaller in form factor. And whether that's placed on you know, your buddy while they're mountain biking or on yourself <laughs> while you're windsurfing, the camera will then follow you um, while you're doing whatever activity. So that's an example of something we've seen a strong desire for in the market and we've uh, introduced. Well, you touched on something a little earlier, Sean, when, you were, when we were just talking before, and that is on support. And I think for some companies in the market, not with Unique, but for other companies in the market, the support side has been their Achilles heel. You can put out a great product, but when people are spending upwards of $1,000 and more, depending on what they're getting, they want to know that their investment is going to be safe and supported. You guys, right out of the second that I opened up, the, and by the way, it comes, for people that don't know this, it's the only drone I've ever flown. I even tweeted this the other day, that comes with a built it's a tra- it comes in a travel case it comes in a hard shell metal travel case it's beautiful and the second you open this travel case it gives you information here are the numbers you call for support here's what you should and shouldn't do here's what you should where you should and shouldn't fly you you guys are really really into communicating with your audience and it seems like people can feel safe about their investment when they buy with you guys yeah well that's certainly the objective and uh you know i i, I think that Providing perfect customer care is always difficult, and we certainly are not perfect, but we work every day uh, on how we can provide great care. Uh, And we are doing it locally here in the U.S. We are uh, making sure that we are responsive, and I think, you know, the, the, the crucial thing will be to continue to have a rich engagement with our customers, because as you point out, they're, they're spending more than $1,000 on this. They want it to work. Uh, it's a new product category, so everybody's trying to figure out what the constraints of it are and how it works best. Uh, we have built in a lot of features to make it easy, as I said. And you know, one thing I do want to point out, I think that this is important, is we're also looking uh, for an easy upgrade path for our uh, customers. So we've built in modularity. And what I mean by that is uh, the camera gimbal system on our flying platform can be removed and put onto a steady grip, which uh, we also provide and become a ground filming uh, device, effectively a very stable hand, hand cam. At the same time, you can also, uh, when we soon come out with our 4K camera, which will be out next month, uh, you don't necessarily need to buy a full new drone. You can simply buy the 4K camera and attach it to your existing drone. So that level of modularity 
and allowing a upgrade path that is relatively painless, I think is another area we're focused on as we try to provide a comprehensive customer experience. Sean, you talk about this being a new category and a lot of the conversation about quads and drones over the past couple months has been about the regulatory issues and, and the safety about this hobby. I'm curious about your hurdles and or opinions about what different governments are trying to do to regulate the industry. Is it something that you're embracing? Is it something that you're, you know, hesitant on? No, at the the highest level, uh, we want to make sure that this category and we are, you know, a key participant is perceived as being uh, a category that is both safe and also is not impinging on people's privacy. So I think safety and privacy are are key. Uh, I do think that the governments and various governments are regulating uh, as they, as in, in some ways they're they're a little bit behind the eight ball because it's hard to keep up with regulation because the technology is moving so fast. Uh, we are doing many things to try to make it safe. For example, you know, on our on our ground control station, there's something called turtle and rabbit mode. So if you're early, just starting out to fly, you can put it in turtle mode. We have something called smart mode that sets up geofences. We've programmed so it won't go more than 400 feet above ground level, which is the FAA requirement in terms of not uh, getting into airspace. Uh, we have a, it's set so uh, it does not work within a mile radius of airports, commercial airports, because we don't want to be in the way of aircraft. So we've done a number of things uh, to try to be ahead of regulation to some extent. But you know, I, in terms of commenting on the, the regulation across countries, I think it's too complex at, uh, at this point to comment on, except for we want to be a good citizen of every country we do business in, and that means meeting whatever requirements around safety and privacy that those governments see fit to put in place. You know, Sean, I, I, I listened to you talk about this. I was, you, I was blown away. You kind of had me at hello. I was blown away by the product, having flown it. it. It's everything that you say. It flies beautifully. It's stable. It's a beautiful platform. You guys are very much aware of your consumers and regulations and making this a safe and fun hobby. Uh, the price point to me, we're talking twelve ninety nine, but you're getting this big, beautiful quad. You are getting the, the ground control that has the built-in 5.5-inch display. I, 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 I received two batteries with mine, a rechargeable battery in the radio, two full sets of props. The list goes on and on. It's the unique Q500 Plus Typhoon. And Sean, I I can only say, you know you're probably going to be hearing from us to maybe get that 4K camera when it comes out. And listen, if it happens to be attached to that new uh, black version of the unique, we wouldn't (laughs) complain, but we'd be happy just trying the 4K camera when it comes out. Well, thanks, and I I, I do appreciate all that. And one one thing, uh, it's actually, it's 1249, so it's even a better value than you highlighted. Uh, and so really happy to have this chance to talk to you guys and you know, looking forward to working all together to make this industry an exciting place for all of us. That's all the time we've got this week for your Tech Report. Thanks for joining us on behalf of Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flalo, uh, yourtechreport.com. And of course, on Twitter, it is at Your Tech Report. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Dot com.